Okay, awesome. Another day, another guest. Uh, welcome to On The Overrun. I think it's episode 18 of season two. Um, I was thinking this week, maybe two more episodes for this season, take a break, refresh, just try and think of what's new for the next season and so. But for now, we actually got one of our, no, I think our second female guest. Yay! So, yeah, well done. <laughs> you made it. Um, we have Van, Van from Star, Van from Starden. Fun. From Starden. We can do that as yeah, well. Okay, okay. This is an English <laughs> podcast. So, she is more commonly known as Wines, Wheels, Wine, Wheels and Watches. A bit of a tongue twister. A bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> On Instagram, she has an awesome page. But I first have to ask, what is the, so if you had to rank the top three passions, can you do that? That's like choosing your favorite child, like no asking a parent for that, but all parents have a favorite child, so I can do that. It would literally be kind of the way that I've placed it. So wine is, I might be crucified for this, but wine, wheels, and watches. So literally the way I place it is like my ranking. Okay. But wines and wheels are pretty much on par, but yeah. you know, watches is like the, the background child that yeah. if you've got a lot of money, you can totally get invested, but... Yeah, for that's now, the that's thing with watches. It's very expensive. Like, okay, what well, you know, thing. wine and cars also, but watches is like you really have to have quite a like few cents in the bank to be able to spend on a watch, which you don't really drive around. Yeah, like <laughs> for you, sure. Yeah, so it's not like a necessity. <laughs> yeah, it's not a utility. Yeah, it's not a really utility. So, wines with watches, we've got it. Um, wines first. Okay, so for me, cars of first. Wine is very, very close second. And why I say this, because I live in Stellenbosch, which is wine country. So you get to experience some good wines. But before we touch on cars, where did the other two passions come from? So my brother's a winemaker. Um, he used to make wine at Buchanan's Kloof. So that's Ooh, kind of yeah, proper. Well, I grew up in the northern Transvaal. When I was about 16, we moved to Franschhoek. And that's kind of where where the wine habit yeah, evolved yeah. and developed and from just drinking it to kind of really getting tucked in behind it, the making of it, I also make cider. So the two was like oh, on wow. par with each other. Um, yeah, so it came like a proper passion of mine to kind of explore new cultivars and just getting sunk into a bottle, but yeah. appreciating it and not just dashing that, it away. So yeah. that's where that started and watches, oh, look, I've always had a a fascination for cool time pieces and as soon as you kind of adult and you can yeah, afford yeah. something I think my first watch was a Nixon and I think I've got about 10 of them <laughs> and then cool. you slowly but surely evolve and my first like real big purchase was a tag this one. Oh, that's nice that's and proper this was like the dream come true mm. and since then I've acquired a few other pieces but it's always been a passion I never thought I could kind of make a business of it yeah um, I'm in publishing so we've got a lifestyle magazine and then I thought like I want to do a watch magazine which was insane especially for publishing people yeah. are always like oh another magazine that must be scary and it was scary but mm. The culture and the heritage around watches and what people are willing to put into it is, oh, it'll blow your mind. These oaks mm. are dropping two bar on a Patek Philippe or yeah. dropping a thousand bucks on a Nixon. It's still the same passion that goes mm. between the two. So, yeah, that's kind of where the, where the gig started for me. And cars, jeez. Oh, yeah, please tell the story. From since the start. my feet could pretty much touch the pedals to my mom's horror. Like, I've just always been going, whether it was tractors, whether it was quad bikes, whether it was my dad's KB 
250 Suzu. It goes way, way back. Um, and yeah, like my whole family, like my uncle Arthur Pullman, he's got a wine farm in Botreville. Well, he passed away, but he was one of the first people to own a Porsche in the country. So, oh, wow. And he's got this cool little mounted box with the Porsche in there. And it was just like, as a kid, I was like, what does it take to kind of be the first or something? So I've always kind of chased that dream. So yes very difficult to be the first so mm. i'll just be like one of the second third fourths yeah um but yeah that's kind of where the the passion on that started and it's just evolved i was very lucky for kind of the getting into this gig and everybody asked you i promise you you go to a braai or anybody hears that you're a motor journal like how did you get into it yeah i was very lucky i was working for a magazine and they needed somebody to kind of write a quick little hundred word on an electric car yeah and then honda came out with the honda jazz hybrid in 2011 and nobody could drive the car at the office that i was working at and they're like oh do you want to drive the car and i was like mm, sure why not and that was 2011 and since then i've probably done about 200 cars and Hectic. very spoiled very privileged and the gig just took off from there yeah that's awesome. <laughs> Starting with the Honda Jazz, actually. <laughs> Honda Jazz hybrid of the all hybrid. cars. <laughs> I uh, actually have a friend who, who he, had Inst- he has an Instagram page now, which I don't mention, not important. But anyway, he started the passion long ago and he like sort of became a mix between like, you know, a spotter in Joburg and someone who just gives car news on Instagram, whatever. Oh, cool. But he wanted to also get into like, the YouTube world and the driving of cars, the testing and reviewing um, as many people do these days. And he actually started off recently with the Mahindra, um, what's the Bucky? The, the Karoo pickup. Yes, but the Karoo pickup. Yes, 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 yes. And I saw quite a few people actually drive around that. I thought that's actually like, I know he hates Bucky's <laughs> and he's not a big fan of Mahindra, but that's how you go, like, that's how you start. It's, it's interesting, that car, I've had a few arguments with people about the car originally, and I kind of had to eat my words. I was like, I didn't dig it, it was slow on the pull-off. As you kind so of go up a hill, it's got a bit of a stutter, and after that, like, literally having that car for a week, I was like, this is pretty decent. Really? Like, if you, listen, if you don't have half a million to mm. put down for a double Fair. cab, like, that is a solid car, great engineering behind it. And pretty much loads of cars coming from India is killing it. Um, Very much but I think so. we're so stuck in our Hilux country and Status. Know, it, it's either Hilux, Isuzu, well, Ford, let's not discredit Ranger, the Ranger. Yeah. Um, but I think that, that pickup has got quite a bit of potential. Yeah. There's a, quite a few of the smaller, you know, Eastern brands let's say Mahindra, but also Haval, who did extremely well in South Africa. So there's quite a few of the Eastern brands coming through and sweeping the floor of some of these German or Japanese brands, just because like, I feel the level of car, the quality of car has improved so much over the years. Definitely. Like your average car, uh, how do I put this? Like even your cheaper car these days are fine. Like in terms of using it for utility, going from A to B, you know, having aircon and Bluetooth, like yeah. those things, it's common and standard in basically any car these days. Yeah. So, like, you really have to, yeah, you have to put some reasoning in to justify why you actually go expensive. Um, yeah, like, sure. yes, you have a passion, yeah. like, that's another reason, but in terms of just using a car for what it's built, you can get away a lot cheaper these days. No, for sure. These oaks are knocking it out the park. Um, and one of the brands, like, my 
probably my go-to, one of my favourites at the moment from like, I don't want to say entry level because that's kind of defacing them as a brand, which it isn't, is Suzuki. They've mm. been killing it no, from have. the Jimny, which they've actually upped their production now because they couldn't keep up with, with demand. Yes, the first year was sold out like Listen, before it even, even was released. Even to review a car, the journo list was, I think we've got about 60 journos in Cape Town. Normally I'm like quick to get the car, so I don't mm. have to wait till number 60. But kind of the queue to get in behind that wheel was insane and everybody were pitching great articles. So it was like yeah. they could kind of take their pick of who they want to work with and how quickly they want to work with them. So Like a brand like Suzuki in that position, like they, pulling the strings. They yeah. killed it with that. And now they've just launched the Brezza Vitara, yes. which again, I was a little bit skeptical because I love the Vitara as a brand. Um, I think it's a phenomenal car. And the Brezza is kind of the, the baby brother Vitara. Um, and with that, again, from an affordability point of view, kind of looking at their competitors, whether it's the Ford EcoSport or kind of anything in that range, mm. they're going to kill it. They're literally yeah. going to wipe the floor with everyone. My personal opinion, I could be wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong on this one. Yeah. But even the smaller cars like the Espresso they brought out oh, rather recently. <laughs> and what's the other one? The Beleno also, which is now the Scarlet or the yeah. Starlet of the Lots other. Of, yeah, lots controversy. of <laughs> controversy yeah. on that. But no, they're doing very well. We've, yeah, and there's actually Toyota's also now bringing out um, a car that's going to be competing against the the Vitara Brezza. Oh. So, and that's like in the next couple of weeks that it's dropping. So, yeah. that's again, like the controversy is just going to continue with that. Yeah. And I often think about those cars being sort of duplicates, to take German cars especially. Everyone under the Volkswagen umbrella. As you know, a lot of the cars are, are very much the same. Um, just take the like the Cayenne and the X7, and then also go a bit more expensive, Bentayga, um, whatever. Like all those cars are the same base, same sort of technology. Yeah. It just, just overlaps. It, it at the end of the day, it comes down to preference. Yeah. It does come down to preference. But with your lower end cars, now suddenly you have more choice, you know. And now it comes down to the nitty gritty things like maintenance plans and service plans. Yeah. I watched a, uh, a video about the Starlet versus the Beleno from Suzuki and Toyota. And it basically, the 75% of the, uh, 25% of the video was about the cars being the same. 75% was about the nitty gritty stuff that put them apart. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you have a lot more, you are spoiled for choice these days. Yeah, fully. And yeah, look, with regards to service plans and dealer networks, because yes. back in the day, like, Suzuki as example, they didn't have such a big dealer network. Today, they are kind of everywhere you look, there's a dealership. But it is because they've got such a firm grip on the market. And mm. I think they just went at the right time, pulled the trigger and just went for it. So yeah. it's quite impressive what they've kind of achieved. And I think they celebrated their 100 year anniversary now as well. Um, not, and then kind of you move from them to Peugeot and they've kind of done a whole new brand identity and they're like one of the oldest standing car brands in the world yes. which people sometimes discredit because it's French and they've got like a crappy reputation which again is so unfair um, but they've now dropped the well it's called the 2008 but I'm yeah. calling it 2008 it yeah. sounds better yeah it does and that car is insane I drove the GT line and again this is a brand that's going to give a run for their money to to ID4 whether it's the Q3 or probably like yeah, I think maybe kind of if you look at the price range, they might still compete there. Mm. Or if you look at the Volkswagen T-Rock, like 
all those yes. oaks are going to be fighting for the same piece of cake. But that would be interesting to see how that yeah. develops and evolves because that car is it's gorgeous. Like, and if you if it comes down to the nitty gritty, so it comes to kind of the appeal of the car because all of them, from an engine point of view, they're mm. pretty much similar. Um, so it's going to come down to to pricing and kind of what people look look for in a car physically. So yeah, it's interesting to see everybody kind of gunning for it. Yes. But taking it back to journalistic, like reviewing the cars, testing the cars, of course, a new car comes out, journalists and guys like you are very, very keen to get on these cars, test it, review it, you know, get it out first. And that often, taking the Suzuki Gemini scenario, it often creates a problem where you have, you know, 15 articles just from Cape Town of people testing the Gemini and you know, after the first two, you sort of get the idea of how the car is. So now you also have to be clever and go for cars that, you know, maybe you know you're going to get first or cars that are not as commonly tested, cars that are not, you know, it's not your, oh, your new Mercedes C-Class or the new 911, like still cool cars, but now you have to sort of think out of the box, like what am I going to do to actually stand out? So what do you do? It's difficult. Like you think that, oh, look, I think, first and foremost and I hate kind of even bringing it up because there shouldn't be a divide but kind of being female in the industry is there's only a handful of us that's true and but everyone kind of all the females out there like I've got so much respect for them in the industry and they really kill it like there's some top top girls that's kind of pretty much on par with the oaks and so you have to kind of take that into consideration so you've got kind of one stepping stone people sometimes want to hear what a female Mm. thinks Again, like we get chafed with the comb of, oh, girls shouldn't really be driving cars, but I know girls that knows a hell of a lot more about so cars true. than some actually. So, true. so that's kind of one of the differentiating factors. But oh, look, other than that, you just have to be, you have to be quirky. Look, none of us are Jeremy Clarkson or no, anything along true. those lines. So you can't be too smart. And yeah. sometimes I see people and I just cringe, but <laughs> we try to just do it a little bit different. I kind of, as much as I kind of take a deep, deep dive into the car and kind yeah. of look from a spec point of view, performance, kind of you have to just take a step back and go like, speak to the average person and say, listen, this is a Kev car. Like it's got a cool armrest. It's comfortability in the car is kind of, those are big things like armrest. Yeah. You don't realize it until you, you don't. don't drive a car that doesn't have one. Um, so those are the kind of things that you have to kind of, put a bit more emphasis on if you want to be different mm. um but ugh, it's just kind of you have to be thorough and you have to give people a bit of entertainment value so and it becomes difficult it's like comedians that have to come up with new gigs all the time yes. new jokes and so yes it is i'm pretty funny every now and then i think this is more no, of a stress situation so i'm yeah, not that yeah. funny but you kind of just have to be out there yeah take a chance with you yeah exactly that's good no i i think when it comes to appealing to the average guy, like the car market, there's a lot of car fans and people are passionate about cars and petrol heads, and that market is sort of saturated. You know, every every need in terms of media or content I want to consume, it's basically met. Like yeah. there, there's not really a, there, there are a few niches, niches maybe not covered as much, but then you have to sort of go ask the question out of a content creator point of view, like how am I appealing to the average guy? Like how am I creating appreciation and sort of getting them interested in the cars? And as you said now, when yeah, just chatting to the average guy asking like, what do you actually like about this car? Yeah. Like what is, 
what is so interesting about this car for you actually like i'm talking about the engine and how it has twin scroll twin scroll turbo and had like i don't know this active radar cruise control but what do you actually like about this car like what's actually so cool so sort of a question of how do you still appeal to that uh the petrol heads the guys actually like the cars but then still make it compelling to the you know the average joke for sure so looking at like um Jeremy Clarkson, for instance, uh, I recently rewatched Top Gear because uh, <laughs> yeah, lockdown. Who would it? And I just sort of, I just saw like those guys are not your typical like reviewers. They don't like go about every single spec or engine component in the car and just you know go into a thorough investigation kind of thing. They just like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, you know, I like this. Like this is awesome. Let's see if this car can drive off a cliff and survive. Yeah, yeah. but for you, it's not only cars. Yeah. Now suddenly it's wines, uh, you know, wine and watches also. So that's a different kind of market, and that sets you apart totally. So I want to know before you answer, how did this come together? Like, how did these th- these three things, like how did wines, wheels, and watches start? Yeah, it's so difficult to answer that because I can't really remember when. I decided to do it, but so I'm in publishing. So I've got a magazine called Southern Vines. And through that, like, listen, we've had it for like the last six years. So through that, I've kind of developed a lot of relationships. But because it was called, well, still called Southern Vines, everybody kind of assumed that it was a wine magazine. So we got a lot of interest from like a lot of wine farms, Mm. like sending us wine and I was like, well, this is so kiff. I'm already doing my car reviews. Why can't I review wine? Like, I've always had a passion for wine. I've got a very neat collection as well. And I was like, well, these guys are sending us wine. I might as well review it like I would review a car. And that kind of just evolved. And I was like, well, I was going to call it Wheels and Wine. And I was like, it just didn't have a a nice ring to it. I was like, wine, wheels. And... I was like, watches, like, why not? It's like www. And I actually wanted my website to be, or my blog to be www.www.ca.za. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'm going for a stretch there. Um, So yeah, I managed to kind of create a platform where I could kind of literally play out my dreams and fantasies and just live this life that's that's Instagram pretty. um, And happens to be kind of all my passions in one. And, And that's difficult, like, you get quite a bit of backlash where people are like, yeah, but you don't have a niche. Like you're, you've got like three different things you focus on. Sometimes so like, especially if we do like travel pieces while we take the car somewhere, so I'll review some accommodation and like people discredit you and say like, well, you're not really focused. You're not really just a journalist or you're not Mm. just really like a sommelier or like a wine fundy. And I'm like, listen, if you can do everything you want to do, why wouldn't you? So I literally just started off what was going to be a cool Instagram handle and what can I, is there a platform where I can kind of do everything that I love in one go? And it is difficult. Like I take my hat off for a lot of bloggers, like the content that they produce and they always on. And I'm like, I always thought I was always on, but that's a different on. Like these folks are constantly where it's like, oh, cool. I can take like a shot of this mug and like hashtag coffee. (laughs) And now it's like, you have to force yourself. You're like, "Mm, okay, which way am I going to hold the wine bottle today? Like, am I going to do a cool pose in the car? Like like you constantly just, but you have to be fresh and you have to kind of create an identity. So I've pretty much, and everybody jokes that I always wear black, but it's like, who I am, yeah. top to toe, every now and then I'll spice it up with white t-shirts <laughs> just to throw everyone off. Um, 
but yeah, so this is like you create an identity and you have to follow through and people sometimes think it's fake and I'm like, listen, this is as real as you're going to get. Like, yeah. I'm going to kind of drop an F-bomb. I'm going to say the wrong thing and yeah. but it's who I am. And, and that's a lack of thing if you kind of get to to do your own thing and you're not doing it for someone else. You get to be as authentic as possible. And I think that's kind of what sets people apart. Like as the second you're authentic and the second it doesn't look forced or put on, then you head straight in this industry. But you constantly have to push the boundaries. It's mm. like you can't play it too safe, but being authentic is probably one of the the major things in this gig. Yeah, that's so true. And I think um because you are also women like of course not a lot of women are in the industry for some reason well not for some reason we uh we can yeah I, yeah we can <laughs> chat about that another time um but i like from my standpoint i like what you do because it's sort of following a journey kind of thing because it's not just cars so i mean you take the car on a journey you stay at this place you know you taste this wine and maybe go look at this watch you have and fits with the car you're driving today like that kind of thing i think people like the story or the like the narrative Not sort really. of aspect I, to it i think we've yeah, we, we get the same things over and over so at least i get to spice it up and mm. do different things on different days um yeah. but it is tricky and it does get quite complicated and especially the line between alcohol and driving like it's something that can never be crossed yes that's true so it's literally it's either one or the other like sometimes yeah. i'll team it up by literally just doing a photo shoot of a cool car on a wine farm mm. but like i'm obviously not going to go tasting or on the same yeah. way so you kind of have to to play it safe and not go like yeah oh, you're cool let's go wine tasting and like yeah. just smash it away and drive this <laughs> n8 and you know <laughs> so i thought that. of actually having some wine here today i thought you know maybe it's crossing the line you know maybe it's so cheesy because you are a wine fanatic Listen, so for the next one i'll uber here and then we can okay that'll can work have like that'll a work. cool tasting i'll bring some of my yeah favorites please do please do um i am intrigued to know when you were a lot younger when you were a child in high school in school whatever uh what did the dream job look like was cause included uh was no. what you're doing today <laughs> social media wasn't a thing listen it yeah, wasn't so. a thing back then i think geez I, well look i wanted to be a lawyer at one point i wanted to be an astronaut that was like in That's between cool. those two and i was like oh Oh, geez, and we live in Africa. Like, I don't think this astronaut gig's ever going to fly, literally. Um, and then I thought, listen, there's a lot of people in trouble, so they need lawyers. <laughs> so that was kind of the gig. And my dad said, you okay. can always talk yourself out of a situation. So yes, maybe like, it's a gig worth exploring. Yeah. Um, and then life happens. You go to school and meet mates and you're like, oh, maybe that's not for me. And I wanted to take a gap year and... None of that happened. So I literally went into advertising sales and through that, like, I'm so grateful for that gig. Mm. It might be, oh, kind of like the the soul patch to the beard of corporate world, yeah. but nothing can get done without sales. So I was like, that's a gig that will always be needed. So whether it's equipment being sold to doctors or advertising space or selling wine, like there's always yeah. a need for that kind of skill and so I honed in on that and when I started my own mag I was like oh thank god I can do sales because I don't need to get somebody else in um so yeah I don't think sales was ever my <laughs> my dream gig I can promise you that mm. um 
but yeah, so just luckily for me, it evolved into kind of the the journalist gig, and yeah, so yeah, <laughs> very grateful for that. Still do sales, and we've got a we've actually got a new magazine coming out called Apex. It's there a car magazine. Oh, so we like competing competing against the big gun, the only big gun out there. We won't we won't drop names. That yeah, yeah, extra yeah. credit. If you don't know the name, then you are you even it, a golf you'll fan? You'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> So Apex is being launched first week of April. Yeah, that's and exciting. And it is going to be pretty badass. We've got some cool head-to-heads. We've got a cool launch pad section that just focuses on all the latest cars. We've got a cool opinion pieces. We've got top, top journalists. I've got a badass editor. Um, so we've got, we've got cool things coming up. And <laughs> it's, it's nerve-wracking. I don't sleep is optional at this point in time. But fair, fair. Yeah, so there's that to look forward to. There we have it. You have it. You heard it here first. All right. Literally. Just by the way, also, if you wanted to be an astronaut, don't cut yourself short because South Africa has a space agency. I don't know if you knew this. Listen, back then, no, I didn't. <laughs> but we have a space agency. If they do any flights, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe I'll you can. for a test drive. Yeah. I have a contact. Maybe I can just, you know. And it over say, hey, you know, Van wants to go for a flight. Maybe just give it a shot. Can't you review it? Like, can't you do it on YouTube? Listen, there we go. Sky's the limit. My next review is going to be on, well, maybe I can chat to Mark Shuttleworth or yeah, yeah, yeah. on and check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, just check, like, I'm testing this like a uh, rocket ship today. Like, um, this is not like the M8 out there. So it's actually much more, you know. So this is, yeah, that's how you put yourself apart, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what you call authentic. All right. So let's get to cars. You are currently driving which you can tell us about. I'm really intrigued about this car. And I saw it in the road quite a few times in Stellenbosch. Of course, I have no idea about our drives and anything. But it looks awesome, looks sinister, looks menacing. Pretty but much. But please, give me, some, give me some insight into what it's like and so what it is. I've got the BMW X7. This is their M50i, which is kind of their, their sports back on it. That car is insane from look, obviously from an affordability point of view the thing is if you can afford that car like you're not even gonna price tag something you don't look at um but control is insane there's a few things that you have to get used to so it's got like active kind of lane assistance so you can and this is what i realized everybody always takes a person says bmw drivers they don't know how to use their indicator which nowadays i think bmw kind of are forcing you to use your indicator. So if you're kind of in a lane and you just want to quickly overtake somebody, like that active lane control kicks in. So yeah. it kind of just nudges you like, hey, you're about to cross the line without your indicator. So I was like, uh, BMW solved their own problem for their drivers. Yeah. Like you kind of have to use your indicator and then it smoothly goes over, indicator back. So I think they managed to to fix a problem that BMW drivers yeah. had. So I, I just have the to, indicator works. I just <laughs> have to tell you, so last night we actually, um, our, some of our friends at Res, we went out for like a pizza night and we were in town. There was just old five series in front of us. And I immediately like started making jokes about BMW <laughs> and like the type of drivers that are, they don't have indicators. They don't, they are unable to park parallel there are just certain characteristics about the BMW, you know, that everyone, like a car guy knows. And there were probably 20 or so turns and not one of them, they used the indicator. It was, I couldn't believe my eyes. I thought, is this even real? But it's so true. Getting that, like usually BMWs, like it's like the indicators are optional, yeah. you know. Um, it's just a different type of driver. So, so they fixed that problem. because so that's kind unbelievable. Of annoying when you want to kind of just 
quickly shoot past someone who like in a car like kind of pulls back and I was like, like no. have to use your indicators, smooth transition, off yeah, you go. Yeah, so yeah. that's something that maybe they fixed. Maybe they try to no, kind of to force you to use the indicator. Um, but from a control point of view and kind of just acceleration. So my thing that I normally base a good car on, like so my favorite saying is like dropping the hammer. So that's kind of where most of my reviews well, I kind of give a give a star rating. So ugh, obviously engines, nobody makes a crappy engine anymore. So you don't mm-hmm. even go on that. So literally if you like already pulled off, you put 80 on the highway, got slow Joe in front of you, like as the second you overtake, like that sweet spot between 80 and 120, like if you drop the hammer and you go, you yes. need to go. Like there needs to be no question that you're going. And doing it in a pocket rocket like a Suzuki Swift or in the X7, it's, it's like a dream come true. It's like literally you just floor it and off yeah. you go, down and dust it. So that's kind of where all my, well, secretively, most of my judgment comes in between 80 and 120. Sure. So lots of people probably don't think of that, but it is that, you well, the need for speed. You need to quickly overtake someone. So that's kind of one of my main things that I – that I look at and I never really write about it or put it in my videos, but kind of internally, that's like where my judgment comes from the, the yeah. 80 to 120, not, not the zero to, yeah, to yeah, 100, yeah. the 80 to 120. The mid range. Um, and that X7 is sublime. That is obviously like when you're sitting with the, the M50, it is gorgeous. Yeah. And something, okay. So I'm not a big fan of SUVs. Okay. okay? As many car people are just because, uh, because of how big they are, sometimes impractical in terms of parking and just driving around. Sometimes you're very stressed about how you know broad they are, yeah. so maybe hitting a curb or something. Um, and I also feel that anything a SUV can do, a uh, station wagon or a state car can also do and probably better. Um, so that's just my point of view. So I wouldn't necessarily buy SUV. I'd rather go for a state. You know, I wouldn't go okay. X uh, Q7. I'd go A6. You know, that that kind of, so that's just my viewpoint, massive estate fan. But uh, what's your view on, like, the X7 is massive and it's a very, very big SUV. But what's your opinion on SUVs and the amount of them these days on the road? Yeah, just. It's probably one of the largest growing, well, actually, no. So SUVs has got a massive gap in the market. Obviously, Mm. if you look at Fortuners and all those cars, there are, a million of them on the road and you know, fortunate drivers are almost in line with BMW drivers when it comes to lack of indication and yeah, you know, like between the two of them, it's very, very close. <laughs> again. Um, so from my side, like obviously you see kind of, we know like the insides and like we obviously look at a market from a different point of view. Mm. SUV market has grown nicely, but the compact SUV market is oh, it's exploding. That is probably the biggest segment grower out there like before you look at buying a polo you're probably going to kind of lean over and kind of look at the t-rock or Mm. that's kind of and with the price like i don't know when last you've seen the price of a a polo like it's insane i remember back in the day it was like 150k for like top of the range and now you can maybe buy like a vivo at that price if even um 
So from that point of view, like if you've got the option between kind of a small hatchback or a sedan, you're most likely going to push over to a compact SUV, especially in our country, like our roads are crappy and you kind of feel that sense of safety to an extent. You feel safer Fair. in a bigger car. Yeah, I do. Um, so I think that sweet spot at this point in time is compact SUV and not as much SUVs as it used to be mm. back in the day. Um, but I think that market, I personally like, the bigger the better so i drive okay. a 2011 jeep cherokee which is very questionable and this is like <laughs> my second one out the 2005 and now i've got the 2011 it's a 3.7 liter and oh. i don't even need to say anything further it's was the 2005 was it the v8 or the v6 v- v6 v6 okay no, it's crazy and it's just you look at the thing and like you just see your wallet go empty, your bank account go empty, yeah, yeah, and everything and your just petrol depletes. tank goes empty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've still got that problem with, with the model that I've got now, but I'm a massive Jeep fan, so I'll probably always make bad judgment errors and decisions, and I'll probably my next car is probably going to be a Jeep as well. <laughs> I'm eyeing out a Wrangler, but oh, I like, thought it was you coming. know when you make a crappy decision, you need to make it properly. So that's my, my crappy decision. But also I do see you in a Wrangler. Like, <laughs> Thank you. It, it fits with this whole vibe. And also like, okay, so a friend of mine had the Wrangler, I don't know if the Sport was like a, a model or package or something just added yep. on. But he, I know he had like a new air filter and it was the V6 motor, okay. but like new air filter and everything. And it made a lot of sound, but didn't like have a lot of go. <laughs> this is all about the, but that's Jeep drivers as well yeah, <laughs> like a lot of sound and it's no just go. american it's boisterous <laughs> and loud but it's like are you going somewhere you know um, <laughs> at least it sounds like you're going somewhere <laughs> it, at least it does like isn't that what it's about it's like going slow but sounding like <laughs> you're going you very going. very quick um i don't know if you if you saw this but so there's a guy in i don't know if he lives in china but he makes like v12 specific v12 engines 6 liter V12 engines from Mercedes are very specific. He makes them sound like Formula One cars. Jesus. So I can't remember what his surname is, but there's a guy who, he took a very old S600, like 1990s S600, same 6 liter V12. Later on from that V12 actually came the Zonda engine. So so, it's it's that line of engine. Okay. So very high end. Anyway, and he put this exhaust on, which cost like $12,000. So very, very expensive. And he went through it for a tunnel run. He went for a tunnel run. And the sound is unbelievable. Like, it's, you, you always want to cry. Like, that's how beautiful it is. Like, it's Formula One level sound. And you see, like, a, a Prius just cruise past. Like, that's how slow the car was. So I feel that's sort of the similarity of Jeep. But, no, hey, if is. it sounds good, it looks good. Like, who cares? You can only go 60 under, like, in town. But it is. Listen, it's sad. Like, if you look at... There's so many Wranglers and Jeeps out there, but the dealer network is just diminishing. The mm. Century City dealership closed down. I think there's only one kind of standalone Jeep dealership, in, and it's in Takai in Cape Town. Oh. I'm sure, I don't know what Pretoria and Gauteng, the rest of Gauteng is looking like. But it is kind of devastating seeing a big brand like that, that everybody loves, but now all of a sudden you're sitting with one dealership in Cape Town. Sure, mm. there's a few Oaks that kind of, also sells them yeah but like a standalone jeep dealership so that's one of those brands where you thought listen it's big it's american it's like robust and like this will kind of be the dream mm. south african kind of brand for our market and it's something that just kind of went down because you've got rad cars like 
the ranger you've got cool things like the hilux like you kind of have to compete with that market very difficult market especially like their dealer networks and it's something you never think of so like i tell people nowadays like if you're going to buy a brand, buy a brand where there's like a big dealer network, look at your service plan, like some Oaks have got insane unlimited kilometers, five-year maintenance plans, like it's, it's insane. Mm. And, and they've got, they obviously put a lot of trust behind claims of unlimited kilometers because they know like nothing's going to go wrong in those five years. Yeah. Um, but not everybody's as bold to do those kind of service plans or maintenance plans. But it's something that you have to look at and we don't. Like yeah. like me, like I know I should know better. Like I should not buy a Jeep again, but I'm going to. Yeah. And it comes down to preference, but no, oh, there's so many things that you have to take into consideration and we don't because we're quite emotional, most yes. of us are. Yes. You buy kind of with your heart and not with your head. Um, but yeah, like it's it's interesting to see how the market kind of still, you still got your hardcore Jeep buyers even though there's no dealer network. Yeah. And then you've got like your hardcore Toyota buyers that will like preach to you at every single bra you go to. And so like, oh, on. you know you've those. Thousands of dealerships. Like a service plan is great. And I love Toyota. Toyota yeah. and Lexus is probably, well, they are my top kind of brands from practicality, not always affordability, but mm. kind of if you look at Lexus and their hybrid ranges, they're kind of industry leaders within that market. And we've got an interesting article actually coming out now in, in Apex about kind of the EV market, so like electric vehicles, where they're going to be in the next 20 years. Mm. And there's brands like um, Jaguar Land Rover. So from a Jaguar point of view, like in the next 20 or so years, I can't remember the exact number, it's going to be just electric vehicles. Yes, and which is true. weird. Like, do you 2030, wanna, I think, yeah. Yeah, do you want an F-type that's just electric like it's weird so those kind of things like evokes all these different emotions um but it's cool to see how these brands are like we're not just cars anymore like it's yeah. a lifestyle it's different choices and just balls to the walls i guess and they're just going for it how often do you actually drive your own car as little as possible because of fuel consumption <laughs> <laughs> but oh no like i Yo, it's difficult. Like, because basically every other week, so my battery week, runs down every now and then. Oh, really? <laughs> so that, that's how little I drive it. Okay. Um, but like, if I have to go take the dogs to the beach or something like that, I'll drive my own car. Um, but very rarely, you don't. I know journos that don't own a car. They literally that's crazy. just and it's like it's like there's not a lot of us that get to car every single week. Like, mm. Even with journalists, there's like A-list and B-list and kind of who gets the most amount of cars for what time period. Um, and obviously like car magazines, they get like first preference. But yeah. the lifestyle has grown quite big for kind of the auto journos because lifestyle is ultimately your car. It's your lifestyle. Mm. And that's where you kind of get the broader market where you're getting the tiny wants a car for, well, to show off pulling up into bishops, picking up a lighties from school. And then you get obviously the hardcore car nut that wants to see like, oh, when's the Golf 8 coming out? So that's the nice thing where the automotive industry has kind of opened up the doors to lifestyle and gone like, Mm. well, it's not just kind of the hardcore car fanatic that we're after. We kind of need to approach that market from a lifestyle point of view, not so in your face. Um, But even saying that, I do think there's a big gap in the market for our car magazine. Yeah, yeah. of course. (laughs) um, But yeah, it's very interesting how how things have evolved. 
And kind of, again, like for female sides, mm. it continues to, the market continues to grow. Like I get so excited every time I kind of meet a new female journalist. Yeah. Um, and it is like, it's, it's everybody's opinion. Like nobody mm. is like this hardcore expert in what you say is gold. It's, yeah. I like to call my reviews opinions and not really reviews because it's my opinion. Like yeah. I might skip a few things that other folks would hone in on. Um, so yeah, it, it comes down to we just need to broaden this market and I think we're very well on our way to, to do that. Very exciting. It's yeah. so exciting, especially with the magazine coming. Very excited, very nervous, but... Yeah, oh, but you've be. got the team, you've got the the launch date, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> so that just puts also a bit of pressure on, okay, let's get it going. It's great time. Um, but also a bit more into cars. What have been your coolest craziest most memorable test drives you've had this past year past sure, whatever it's so difficult look my <laughs> it is a difficult one because you kind of everything is special but yeah we went on so the defender 110 got launched oh, last year but yes. obviously there was a delay and COVID, and we were supposed to do the launch in the beginning of the year and then it got pushed over to november which was so cool because at that point so many people were kind of homebound and that was the first trip out and about so yeah. that was like I think that's why it's the most memorable because I was like oh I don't have to be home we get to be <laughs> safe and secure outside of our house but, but outside of the house <laughs> so we we took the Defender like it was kind of a big trip that we did I think we were about 15 journos mm. with like just this convoy of Defenders and it looked so badass so we went from sort of at Durbanville Hills and drove through to Cedarburg and it was such a rad trip and to kind of see what that car is what capable of. So we had like the open road and then we went hardcore off-roading. Um, so that was quite a cool trip. It made it even cooler. I don't know if, well, obviously you'll know Kingsley Holgate. Mm. So he was, they did this trip called the Mazanzi Edge. So they literally took him and his son, took their defenders. And this is kind of where they use the old defender and then now the new defender yes. and kind of check capability. And they went on the edge of South Africa, like literally kind of cutting the water everywhere. We like water on the coast, is, they that's crazy. Literally on the coast. Um, so then everywhere where they kind of stopped, they filled this color bush full of water to kind of connect everything, like all the different yeah. provinces and areas that they went to. And then they were going to empty the color bush where they started back in Durban or wherever they were. Yeah. Um, so they took this calabash with when we went on our trip and we joined them for one of their legs of the journey. And the cool thing is I got to, out of one of the rivers, I got to fill the calabash. So that was oh, like, that's so cool. And he's like a hero of mine. So it was like quite an emotional thing. And oh, like you've got like 20 journos staring at you and it's embarrassing, but like jeans are up get. in the water, off you go. So that was quite a cool thing. And that was probably something that's the most memorable and yeah. sitting around a, like a campfire and he was just telling us stories and this oak is like the most insane storyteller um so that was probably because of the whole journey and the car is so capable like you can trust that yeah. car you need to trust your car when you go off-roading it's very little to do about your own skill like as soon as you can trust your car and the capability of it and a car's insane. It's got like cameras where like when you go over like a little hill and you can't see what's on the other side, there's like cameras and this car kind of adapts to the terrain. Like not back in the day we had to climb out and put the yes. four by four on on the tires. Like everything is just that computer that's in the car is just insane. It can mm. think, I think any one of us. So it kind of fixes this situation before you 
in a situation. So, yeah, that car was probably, yeah, I think probably my favorite. And then also now the M8 that I drove was. Yeah, some of it. Not the, not the prettiest car. Like, I think it's an odd shape. I drove the Coupe. So, kind of it looked a bit weird from a side profile, but very rarely do you get to climb in a car that turns that many heads. Mm. So, Funny enough, that Honda Jazz turned mm. a lot of heads. Oh, it was really? quite embarrassing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why is everyone staring? That's brilliant. That car just got launched and it had like the hybrid sign on the back and you'd see people go like, what is this? Like, like what's this hybrid thing? So that was like very fresh. The Honda Jazz and the M8 probably turned the most amount of heads, which is awkward <laughs> and weird. But yeah, so I'd say the M8 and the Defender was probably my my favorite, favorite drives. So... The M8, I'm very intrigued about that car. I think it's awesome looking, okay. especially the Coupe, not necessarily the Cabrio. Uh. But I think it's awesome looking. Um, I, I only have seen the M850 in real life, not really the M8 itself. Probably color dependent also. Um, but where do you think it fits in? Like, what is it trying to be? Is it trying to be a, a like a Bentley Continental GT competitor? Is it trying to be... A 911 competitor, like probably not, but like where is it actually fitting in? It doesn't really fit in. Like, I feel like it's, I feel like it's pretty much standalone. So sure, Mm. it's going to have like, I think it's maybe its main competitor, for lack of a better word, would probably be the Audi R8. Yes, okay. Possibly, but I feel like that car is a lot more. So I've driven the R8 and obviously the M8. And from a countability point of view and kind of just more car that you can almost use day to day, I think the kind of M8 is is your go-to. Mm. Like it's like sitting on a lazy boy. Like that, and that okay. it was it's such a comfortable drive that you sometimes forget you're pretty much sitting in a almost supercar. Like yeah. it's power and everything aside, that car is super comfortable it is a day-to-day drive if you've obviously got an unlimited petrol card Mm. um day-to-day drive where i think like its competitors are more kind of show off pieces and not as comfortable of a ride Mm. and i'm probably going to get crucified for even insinuating that it's more comfortable (laughs) than the r8 um but again my opinion yeah and yeah so i think it's it's kind of trying to be or well it is that sports car that's kind of your everyday car. Mm. And there should be more of them on the road. Um, I think we're seeing way too little of them. It could be price tag related because you're like just shy of three bar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a very decent, decent car. And we had the competition one. So it's obviously even more decent. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's kind of creating a an opportunity for a sports car to to become an everyday car. Yeah. And I think those like okay it's an m car you know it's it's meant to be sort of track focused hard it's especially the competition model also but when it comes to these kind of high-end performance cars it's sort of a luxury thing also and it it sells because it's so compelling being so comfortable you can actually drive it it's not like oh i have to take it out on the weekend um maybe it appeals to a bit of an older market yeah um just in terms of price you know you can afford it but yeah, also no, no very few 20 year olds that's gonna yeah, out that kind of money yeah so i in that kind of sense maybe it is competing in a market uh you know in terms of price maybe double its price you know the it can compete with astons it can compete with bentley's like 
cars are so good these days. BMW make their cars so well these days that even at that price, maybe just the price would, you know, say say someone goes to buy the M8 and they're like, I want a comfortable everyday GT with yeah. a lot of power that makes me look super rich. And you look at that and like, it's such an awesome <laughs> car, but then maybe it's too cheap, you know? Yeah. <laughs> maybe they could have made it, made it more expensive because it's not appealing to everyday guy. Yeah. It's not. Um, but in any case... So I want to ask you five questions just quickly. Okay. I may not, I might forget the f- fifth one. I'm not sure. Um, but just answer whatever comes up. Okay. Okay. The fastest car you've ever driven. Hey, mate. Your dream car. The Defender 90. The car you hate the most. <laughs> <laughs> the car you detest. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, I can't even... A Nissan Sentra. I know it's old A school, Nissan Sentra. A Nissan Sentra. <laughs> was it your first car by chance? <laughs> it wasn't, but it was one of my best friend's first cars and I detested that car. <laughs> okay, okay, fair. Manual or manual? <laughs> auto. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, yeah. Auto. I, I'm an auto all the way. Okay, interesting. And your favorite road trip, like if you had to choose to go on the road trip? Sure. I don't like going very far because I'm all about comfort but like a cool trip to I don't know Steely's oh, <laughs> as you do go to Steely's and ultimate car would probably be like a, a Range Rover Sports just to kind of like you play the part pulling up to Craft or something yeah. like that so yeah the Range Rover Sport. Just remember, Sport. like, for your average Stellenbosch guy, the Range Rover Sport, it doesn't have a good connotation because it's it's very much in line with any BMW. Like, it's the status mobile. I can do anything, park anywhere, squeeze in front of everyone, like, make way, you peasant. So, That's what it's about. Yeah, it is. It is. One day you'll also be in the Range Rover position. You'll be like, I actually don't care what you think about me. I drive a Range Rover. I think that's what it comes down to. People don't care. Like, if you drive yeah. Oh, you're like, oh, I've yeah. got it. So, yeah, just like, move. Yeah, just like, go, leave me alone. <laughs> anyway, um, Van, I want to thank you. Thank ah, you for spending some time. Thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, having a passion uh, on cars, you know, what, the wine and whatever. I don't really care. It's just the cars. <laughs> but thank you for having the passion. Thank you for sharing the passion. Thank you Shocker. for taking the chance. And, like, of course, we chatted about the females and not being as prominent as the men. But, hey, like, I really don't care. Like, if you like your cars, you're passionate about it, doesn't really matter. So, thank you for sharing that passion. Cool. I usually say at the end of my podcast, it's it's better loving cars than loving drugs, you know, there because it, it's, it's quite a simple one. But it's more expensive. It is more expensive. <laughs> oh, very. But anyway, I want to thank you guys for joining. Thank you for listening. Apex coming out soon. Yeah, go follow us. Go follow. Apexmag.co.za. Apexmag. Go Southern Vines. Southern Vines. Southern Vines. And then Wine Wheel. Wines. Wine wheels and watches. Wine wheels and watches. We'll get it next time with the wine lined up. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Hope you have a good one. Cheers. Cheers.